Welcome to Fairfield, What Are You Reading? A next great read podcast from Fairfield Public Library in Fairfield, Connecticut. I'm Philip Barr, your host and head of adult services. Each month we gather a group of library staff together for a conversation about books, authors, and of course, reading. What we're reading, what we've just finished, what we're excited about coming soon. Most of the books will be new, some may be older, The group will focus on books we love, and hopefully you will too. Imagine you come to the library, ask a librarian for a next great read, a couple more staff stop by, and soon everyone is trading their favorite new reads. Listen in now as we begin. Hello, I'd like to welcome everyone to episode 30, if you can believe that, of What Are You Reading? A Next Book Podcast from Fairfield Public Library in Fairfield, Connecticut. Today is August 31st, 2023. My guests and colleagues, Tamara Lynn, Stephanie Bergstrom, and Emily Muller, will be discussing their favorite new children's books and what's on the horizon in publishing. So why don't we get started with Tamara? What do you have for us today? Hi, good morning. So um, Miss Emily and I worked with uh, the public school's summer enrichment program this this year in July. Um, we served around 103, 130 kiddos each visit. And during our time, we read a lot of narrative nonfiction, such as Stinkbird Has a Superpower. That one's by Jill Osbaum. Yeah, it sounds, sounds fantastic, <laughs> doesn't it? it? It was funny. And I, I just love these types of books. They always tell a story, and it's usually pretty humorous, and they give so much mind-expanding information. So you don't even know you're learning because you're just having a good time. So this new title that I want to talk about is um, Bears Are the Best by Joan Hullab, and it's illustrated by Lori Keller. And it really does not disappoint. The book starts with a brown bear. And of course, he is the only bear in the book, right? Right? No, (laughs) of course not. We quickly find that he is indeed not alone. There's a polar bear and an American black bear, which one happens to live in my backyard. So that was exciting (laughs) for me. And on and on. In fact, did you all know that sloth bears eat about 10,000 termites in one meal? That sounds delicious. (laughs) So you got to grab the book to find out more and discover if indeed Brown Bear ever gets to have alone time and be the one and only (laughs) in the book. (laughs) Miss Emily? Um, I was going to talk about um, a middle grade novel that I've read. Um, So the one is called This uh, Sister Switch by Sarah Milnowski and Debbie Rigaud. Um, It has some illustrations by Maxine V. It's the second book in the Best Wishes uh, series. And the third book is actually coming out, uh, I think, in the beginning of November. So there's more for readers to look forward to from this. And each book focuses on a um, different character and uh, family. But the common thread that links all their stories is a magical wish-granting bracelet. And the Sister Switch um, focuses on a fifth grader, uh, Addie Asante, and she's the middle child in her family. She's got her um, older sister named Sophie, 
who's very studious and overachieving, and um, she's in seventh grade. Then she has her younger sister, Camille, um, who is really energetic, and she's in pre-K. So at the beginning of the story, readers see how Addie always tries to go with the flow and um, keep the peace amongst her sisters and her friends, but by doing so, she's downplaying her own um, desires, which becomes a key part of what what happens in this story. So one morning, Addie opens up a package that had arrived for her that has um, this bracelet in there, and she's in a rush to um, get to school, so she just quickly puts it on without reading the warning uh, note that comes with it. Um, And when she gets to school, she's had a rough morning. She's feeling frustrated with her sisters. So she ends up wishing that she was not in the middle between them. And she suddenly transforms into her older sister, Sophie. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And at first, of course, she's surprised and shocked and doesn't know what's happening. But then she's like, oh, it's pretty nice being Sophie. (laughs) Um, But of course, she soon realizes that... um, when you have a wish come true, things can get messy. And her big sister has actually now become her younger sister and her younger sister has become Addie. So all the sisters have switched. Um, and there's mayhem, there's confusion. There's a lot of funny moments um, in this book as well, of course, as the sisters are trying to navigate what's happened and find a way to f- switch back. So um, it's a really fun read. It's really heartfelt as well. Um, the relationship between the sisters, you see that development. Um, and the author kind of did an um, an excellent job of setting up how the the characters will kind of gain a better understanding of one another. And although there are a lot of heartwarming moments, um, as I said, there's lots of humor intermixed, so it kind of keeps the story moving. And there's only a touch of magical um, elements in the story. So I think those who tend to only read or really only like to read um, realistic fiction would still like this story because it realistically portrays the sisters, um, their relationships, school life. Um, so you don't have to, it's not like a strict high fantasy or anything like that. So yeah, this this was, I would recommend it for maybe third grade and up, but it was a, a fun read. Sounds very cool. I have three sisters. Just saying. You want to switch places I don't, with them? I don't, I don't want them to switch places with each other. It's hard enough keeping up. Um, so speaking of warning labels, I have a picture book that should have had a warning label, You Will Sob. So Angus is Here is a beautifully written picture book by Hadley Dyer. Uh, the picture is by Paul Covello, and it's about a boy who recently lost his dog. Um, So Angus is here, meaning he can still see and feel him everywhere. He's at the bottom of his bed, curled up. Mm. He imagines walking him with his collar and his leash when he sees them still hanging up. And it's just a beautiful portrayal of like how different family members process grief. So the boy is just completely filled with sadness. And that's hence my sobbing in the library. But his sister keeps saying, why are you acting so weird? Why are you being so weird? Like when he's feeling down about something, you know, they're not talking explicitly about it, but at least towards the beginning of the picture book, but she just keeps, you know, she's a little older than him. So I think she's kind of got that like teenager sort of anger response to the, to the situation. Um, And then the parents start, you know, telling stories about the dog and they, 
about Angus and they make a scrapbook and they're trying to find like an outlet for for the grief and um they uh give the leash and the collar to like their cousins getting a younger puppy so I know (laughs) so it like I feel like we're often asked for books to deal with these big moments in life and so I would recommend this for for those situations um a preschooler up to you know second grade third grade um this would be a great choice uh, even if it's not about an animal, if it's just about a family member, but maybe reading a book with family sometimes could be a little a little much, especially if they're younger. So if you just want to talk about how they're always with you, so that's kind of the the final moments of the book is about how they're they're always with you. And wow. yeah, um, if you if you had a dog pass recently, and you know, I know. <laughs> is it like for the thirtieth podcast, the children's oh, really? librarian? Oh, it's depressing. It, today, the children's librarians will each pick a book that I'm personally connected to. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> My dog is eight now, and I've recently been like, you need to eat raw food because I can't live without you, (laughs) even though we can't afford it. But my previous dog passed away in 2016, and I was still like, oh, oh my gosh. But if you need some kind of – I feel like reading books, even when you're older, you know, it it makes – you think about it, you kind of process it, and then – it's oh yeah yeah it's incredible really yeah. incredible plus it sounds like it deals with uh the fam- different yeah. experiences yes, of exactly. how they're dealing with the grief yeah i think that's important because you know not it, it's not wrong to do it one way but each mm-hmm. family member will feel strongly about it and they'll each go about it a different way so i yeah that's a great point too great tamara my latest favorite nonfiction book from our collection is Your One and Only Heart, and it's by Rajani LaRocco. She's a doctor, and she um, was a, an honor a winner for the Newberry for her book, Red, White, and Whole. This book, Your One and Only Heart, is illustrated nonfiction, and it's illustrated by Lauren Page Conrad. And really, LaRocco has written this book as an ode to the heart, like a love of the heart. It's, uh, it, it's not really written in prose, but it kind of gives that feel to it. And is it the actual heart or the... Yeah, the like, actual heart and how neat. it works in the body. So, so is, she like, is he a surgeon or something? Shh, or? That I don't know. Oh, okay. That's all right. <laughs> She's a doctor. She's a doctor. <laughs> um... She, from the beginning, she describes it as a singular, cooperative, simple, complex, energetic, relaxed, constant, changeable, electric, muscular, hidden, noticeable, selfish, and selfless. Hmm. So there's just such a love of what the heart does for each and every one of us. And she kind of uses all that language and she breaks down what she means by uh, what the heart does. So you learn about what it means to be uh, uh, singular. Like, without that organ, we're no longer alive. Mm. And she writes about that. So that seems like like she writes about not being alive. Well, she writes about your organ stopping and not continuing. So it gives children the understanding of how important your heart really is. And it gives adults um, a reminder. reminder. 
So, and then the back of the book contains more specific information. So, you know, you kind of get the, the, the lyric, lyrical vibe or the fun vibe throughout the book. But then at the end, it's like, well, here's like it written out clear for you to understand. It's like I said, a great book for, um, kiddos and I wrote kiddos especially one with a heart ha ha <laughs> like everybody should pick it up it's a good read it's beautiful it's fantastic yeah um I have a middle grade grade novel and it has a lot of heart it's very heartfelt <laughs> it's a charming story it's a uh, coming of age story um it's called home away from home by Cynthia Lord it's about 11-year-old Mia she's experiencing a lot of upheaval in her life um her parents have divorced and her mother's getting their house ready for sale because they are going to uh, be moving into a new place um, with her uh, mom's boyfriend soon. So Mia would rather everything just stayed the same. Um, so she's super excited to go alone to visit her grandmother in Maine for the summer. And Mia's looking forward to it just being the two of them and getting into that familiar summer routine that they do every year Mia visits but of course, things are not the same there either when she arrives. So her mother, or her grandmother, excuse me, now has a um, know-it-all neighbor uh, around Mia's age. His name is Cayman, and he's become friends with Mia's grandma, and he's doing a lot of the things Mia would have been doing with her grandma. So, of course, Mia's upset about this, but... They all have a passion for birding, so Mia <laughs> agrees to go with Cayman to look at an eagle nest. And while they're watching the eagles, um, they spot a large white bird, and it's, it's some kind of raptor, but they, they don't know. No one, neither of them knows exactly um, what bird it is, and Mia wants to be the first one to find out. She's trying to, to prove herself. So in trying to prove herself to, to Cayman, um, she ends up making decisions that have an impact um, not only on herself, but also on the entire small town, um, this mysterious bird, and even Cayman, who has his own um, worries that he's, he's dealing with. So it's up to Mia to try to set things right. And I really liked... Um, this story about Mia's growth as a person and she's a very thoughtful narrator. There's a, a sensitivity to the story as it addresses um, what it means to be at home um, somewhere, what, um, how to deal with facing change and respecting wildlife. That's a really big part of the story. And the author really excelled at capturing the coziness of the coastal town and there's really beautiful um, nature descriptions as well, um, and it's a nice, it's a nice steady pace um, to the read. It's got lots of tender moments. So um, anybody who's looking for a charming story, um, this would be would be a, a good good choice. And um, I'd recommend it for um, fourth grade and end up. But it's a very, very um, kind of calming go with the flow read but some some heartfelt tender moments as well so it's good sounds great and just a little add on our newest database is called birds <laughs> of the world so you and your children or your loved ones can have lots of fun it's from cornell ornithology um, and it's really fun it's like a lot of beautiful pictures and all kinds of deep descriptions kind of tamra like what you were talking about at the end of your book it goes into a lot more sort of the science, but um, it's also a lot of fun. Just look at the pictures. 
yeah, and if Mia had had access to it, she could have found <laughs> out what that bird was. Exactly. <laughs> Cynthia Lord must like live in Maine because I remember reading A Handful of Stars by her yes. where they go blueberry. It's like about the girl Same. goes to summer mm-hmm. with the grandma and she picks blueberries or whatever in the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. must be her coastal, coastal <laughs> summer vibe. That's right. like, yeah. Um, so I also have a middle grade summer book. So hanging on to the last couple weeks of, of summertime here. Um, it's called The Firefly Summer by Morgan Matson, who is a very popular young adult writer. This is her first middle grade book. So um, about, um, f- yeah, fourth grade, fourth grade to seventh grade, I would say. Rihanna is our protagonist. She's an 11-year-old who lives in Los Angeles with her father, who is a screenwriter. Um, her mother passed away when she was a toddler. I swear this isn't like a sad grief book like my first book. Um, but so she's very kind of type A. She takes care of her dad and she's organizing the family. And she's very much like, you know, trying to be the house manager as well as not really being a child. Um, so she receives a letter at the beginning of the summer from the her mom's side of the family, the Van Camps, who she has no contact with. Um, and it's an invitation to stay with them throughout the summer at their um, defunct summer camp. So the Van Camp Camp, Camp Van Camp, <laughs> was a long-running summer camp. And it has since closed um, to outside people, but the family stays there for the summer. So she decides how is she going to find out. Her her, her mom is a topic, uh, not really a topic of conversation between her and her father. So how else is she going to find out information about her mom unless she decides to do this? So she can she she ends up going, and it's but once she adjusts. It's a beautiful summer filled with lake swimming and fireflies and cousins and s'mores and being connected to her mom in ways she hasn't before, hearing stories from her mom's brothers and sisters and and their parents, like her grandparents she had never met before. Um, And it's just a really fun, like, like when you want to imagine summer as a kid I just felt like reading it I was like this is like the most idealized summer like just going to the ice cream parlor and all just nice memories and um she is a big reader she loves mysteries and so did her mom Mm. and her grandmother gives her a box of her mother's things which includes a lot of nancy drews oh wow and so she realizes that there's a bit of a mystery and a treasure map situation going on too (laughs) so her mom created this like treasure map and she oops her mom created a treasure map that she is trying to uncover with the help of her cousins and it's about the possibility of closing the camp for good. So on the other side of the lake is a property run by a family who's also um, been there for decades, but they are building condos. Mm. So they're knocking down all the buildings and building condos, and that's what they want to do on this side. So that's why she got the invitation to stay with the family because it, it was the last year they would ever stay on that property. Yeah, so she's trying to piece together the possibilities of this puzzle of finding information to keep the camp alive. Um, So it was a really lovely story. Again, very heartfelt, but also very fun. Um, 
just about a girl enjoying a big family that she's never had before. So, um, yeah, I would recommend this for ages like 9 to 12, The Firefly Summer. Great. Thanks, Stephanie. Tamara, you have one more? Yeah, I'm going to wrap mine up with the um, graphic novel. It's called Two Tribes, and it's by Emily Bowen Cohen. Um, so it's about a 12-year-old Mia, and she lives in L.A. with her mother and her stepfather, and she recently had a bar mitzvah. So uh, she attends a Jewish day school, but she feels really out of place there because she doesn't look like a lot of the kids who go there. In fact, some of the, her classmates... Um, believe that she was adopted because she has uh, dark skin and um, her mother does not. Um, and then on the flip side of all that, her mom really doesn't talk much about Mia's uh, father, Van, who, mind you, is still alive and lives in Oklahoma and is a Native American, which is the term used in the book by the author. We find out that Van is part of the Muscogee tribe and lives, like I said, in Oklahoma with um, his his family. So he was living in California uh, when Mia was little. Things didn't go so well between her parents, and he left. Um, and pretty much Mia still gets cards from him, but they don't have much uh, contact. So she's becoming aware of this a lot more, right? She's 12, um, and she knows about her Jewish history or heritage because uh, now she's in a day school. Well, I should say that her mother wasn't actively participating in the Jewish um, life before she met her stepfather. So once... um, they got married, her mom uh, rejoined the, the synagogue and, you know, became more uh, uh, enveloped in the uh, Jewish culture. Thank you. Jewish culture. Um, and so Mia is kind of like in a little bit of a shock because now she's mm-hmm. supposed to be following her mom's um, ideas of living, right? So she's she's questioning everything, and she's at that correct age to pretty much do that. And she's desperate to learn more about uh, her indigenous 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 side. So for her bar mitzvah, she had gotten a lot of money. Um, she cashes it in and grabs herself a bus ticket. And heads to Oklahoma <laughs> to visit her, her dad and his family. And, of course, her dad doesn't know that she's flying under the radar. Um, and she meets her half-brothers and the stepmom. And she meets her grandma, which is just... It, it, she had contact with grandma, but it was it, this becomes like a beautiful relationship. And really... Uh, like a good um, balancer for her because, uh, you know, uh, grandma is like, don't, don't 
be so angry about what your mom brings to the table. You know, you have to kind of, that's who you are. It's part of who you are. So you have to respect that. So there's a lot of like teaching of like elder respect. And she also meets her cousin who like wants to get out of Oklahoma. And so she, you know, she believes in um, her indigenous culture, the cousin, and uh, will take that with her, but she wants to be living the hip life in L.A. So it, it, it's a very interesting, this, all this happens in a weekend, mind you. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, her mother finds out that she's not on that Jewish trip that she signed the, the um, mm. uh, field trip slip for and uh, comes running to Oklahoma to pick her up. Um, but it turns out, you know, th- things things work out for the best. And this book truly has a lot to offer in terms of representation. The author is of Jewish and indigenous descent. Mm. Um, it, it also has a good explanation of microaggressions. So one of the, um, the rabbi in the graphic novel says... Um, something about uh, wild Indians. Mm. And he was like, oh, yeah, I guess I shouldn't have said that. I'm so sorry. But it was like he didn't really understand what he had mm. said. And right. like to him, it was just like funny, you know, just funny. Yeah. yeah. Old term that right. was used. Right. right? So um, it really does a good a good job of explaining or the author does a good job of explaining what microaggressions are and how harmful they really can be. Um, It also surprises me and saddens me a little bit that this book still needs to be written in this day and age. And I really do recommend that everybody tend and up pick up the book because really just for that microaggression explanation, it it like lays it out there for you. But really, the whole book was good. Great. Emily, you have one more? Yes. um, Also a graphic novel. Um, The one I read is titled Lo and Behold by Wendy Mass, and it's illustrated by Gabby Mendez. And the story is about um, 12-year-old Addie uh, Brecker, who's going through... um, a tough time. Her mother had a terrible bicycle accident a couple of years ago, and she's not been the same since. So when her mother suddenly goes away, uh, Addie's father tries to distract her from um, the situation by taking her on a trip to uh, Springhaven University, where he'll be working for the summer on a virtual reality project. So initially, Addie's not interested um, in taking this trip, and she thinks that she'll just be lonely. Um, But at the university, she meets um, Mateo, who is the son of one of her dad's co-workers. And together they explore um, Addie's father's virtual reality lab, learning about virtual reality and trying out um, the games and applications that the group of um, young researchers that uh, her dad is working with, ones that they created. Um, So... And he starts to spend, though, a lot of her time in virtual reality. So the story is about um, her experiences um, and and how she's processing her feelings and growing emotionally, as well as the role that uh, technology plays in people's lives. Um, There are some heavier topics uh, talked about as well, including addiction and grief. And a prominent theme, though, in the book is empathy um, and 
those more like reflective parts um, of the graphic novel are balanced out with fun moments as well. Um, and the illustrations are excellent. They really convey the characters' emotions well. And you've got these wonderfully um, detailed, realistic settings, as well as really fanciful ones when you've got Addie and the other characters putting on their virtual reality headset. So um, it's a really thought-provoking plot, um, and there's some emotional complexity um, to it as well. So yeah, it was. Uh, I would definitely recommend picking up this graphic novel. Probably good for um, grade five and up, um, maybe a fourth grader, depending on their emotional maturity. But uh, yeah, great read. So just a quick question. The both of you have talked about graphic novels. So what is the is there a cutoff for graphic novels in chil in the children's department? Like, is it does it start like at a certain age or grade, or does it go all the way? No, we even have. Um picture books that are considered graphic novels and cool. uh, early readers that are graphic novels. So it can okay. start at any age, really. That's great. You know, I just to plug for graphic novels. So each of the departments has its own section of graphic novels, children's, teens, and adults. So you, you're sure to find something for anyone in any of those departments. I really like the, like when they uh, adapt a like classic, like there's a Fahrenheit 451. There's, yeah. I read Slaughterhouse-Five graphic novel. There's one I saw in the cart the other day. I can't remember what it was, but it's a cool way of like if you want to revisit a classic, but you don't want to spend. Yeah. <laughs> like, All that time. I'm gonna read War and Peace. <laughs> yeah. Um, so to true. read the graphic. Oh, there's a Pride and Prejudice. I love that one. That yeah. Was, uh, so Freya's first introduction to Pride and Prejudice. So. Yeah. Yeah, they're really great. Mm -hmm. They're amazing, and I really love the nonfiction graphic novels mm -hmm. in adults because I find I like I did I recently not recently but a couple months ago read the Angela Davis. The new one, and I learned things that I didn't know just from a graphic, you know, just from a graphic yeah. novel, which is just really, really, they're really great learning tools, mm -hmm. I think, for kids. Yeah, yeah, so similar, kind of going off that, the last thing I have today is um, biography collection. So in the children's department, we have a lot of, like, collected biographies. Um, so it's one book, but it has like one page on each person. Um, and we have a lot of those. So again, like you were just saying about the graphic novels, it's a really great way to be like, oh yeah, I remember, I, I, I've heard this name before, but what did they actually do? And it's a good way to like, just get like a little snippet. Mm -hmm. Um, so the, the collection I wanted to talk about is called Rebel Girls. So this is, a the latest in the good night stories for Rebel Girls, a very popular, um, publishing umbrella company at this point um, that first came, I think it was around like 2016, they got like a crowdsourced um, book published called Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls. And it's uh, biographies about different women, but it's in like a fairy tale format. So it's very accessible hmm. for younger people and still really fun to read for adults as well. Um, so we have several of the bigger collections they also have a podcast now wow. um so that's available on all platforms and they again it's like a cool fairy tale like bedtime read but you're learning something about it's usually like an inspirational leader or so e the collection i have now these came out this year they're rebel girls minis so 
I find sometimes you hand a child the large book and they're like, "What? Why are you? What are you? Why are you doing this? It's too big." <laughs> <laughs> so even though they come in a box, you can buy a box set of all nine. Um, they are. We don't have it in a box. We have each individually. So if you hand the, them a smaller. Um, actual trim size of a book, I find it less intimidating. It's and it is kind of graphic. So you have one one picture on each page of the of the person the biography is about, and then on the other page you just have like in a story format the things that they were passionate about. So there's animal allies, there's climate activists, there's general just leaders, there's athletes. So any type wow. of um, if you want if your child is interested in a certain like if they're very sporty but you wanted to give them a little bit more to chew on like that would be a good option. Um, and again, it's just like very inspirational. I feel like we often have people come in who like they sort of want realistic fiction, but they also want their child to be like empowered and and inspired to do things. So um, giving them a shorter biography yeah. um, is is a good way to do that. Um, and again, Tamara mentioned we have a lot of like the nonfiction picture books, which we have tons of biographies. But you hand that to an older child and they're like, this is a picture, you know. So it's nice to have these collected biographies um, to give them because it's a lot of different variety. Um, but they also learn about, like, obviously, like in the Animal Allies one, you have amazing people like Temple Grandin and you have Jane Goodall, but you also have people that you've never heard of and that are younger, like mm. that are a similar age or they did something when they were um the age that the child might be. So like they nice. started a petition online. There's one about a, a young woman who started a petition online to stop animal circuses in the UK mm. and she posted it online and all these people did it. And then a petition was signed and it happened. Wow. So just like the small things they can do that aren't so small in the end. Um, so yeah, that's uh, rebel girls minis is the name of the series. And we have um, all of the individual titles. That sounds fantastic. So let's take a moment before we end and talk about what's coming down the pike. So just you guys just jump in and talk over each other and <laughs> do your thing because <laughs> there's probably a lot. Erin <laughs> uh, Blabby um, or Blaby uh, is known for his Bad Guys series, uh, which uh, became a movie fairly Such a good recently. Movie. Yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, is coming out with Cat on the Run. It's going to be a series. And the first one is Cat on the Run in Cat of Death. Dun, dun, dun. Sounds promising. Um, and the main character's name is Princess Beautiful. <laughs> but she's on the run. So Erin so Blaby said, let me do bad guys for, quote, <laughs> girls. I Close can't, quote. I can't wait. I, I just love him. He's just so funny. Um. Uh, another popular author um, and series, um, the Wild Robot series by Peter Brown. The third book is coming out. Um, it's the Wild Robot Protects. Um, and I know we have uh, fans of this series. Mm -hmm. We had some friends put uh, for summer reading their book plate in other ones from this series with their name in it. So... Um, this one is about, well, this series is about a, a robot named Roz who one day opens her eyes and she's on a remote island and she doesn't know why she's there, but she knows she has to survive. So it's about her ad adapting to her surroundings and learning from the um, 
the island's animals and befriending them. So in this third book, um, Roz is now on an adventure across the ocean and she has to save the island from toxic waters that are causing devastation. So um, you've got lots of, uh, these are action packed. You've got some thrilling survival. It's a great series. So. Yeah, one reviewer said it's the robot we don't deserve. Like, she's too good for us. <laughs> <laughs> she wants to save us and love Protect us. Her. I love that. I thought for sure Emily was going to say Percy Jackson. Uh, Percy Jackson's coming. coming out. But he's older he and wiser. Well, yeah, it's been, I don't know how many years, 15? It's been a 10? while since his last one, yeah. Um, but he's older and wiser and in college, I think. In this new book, it comes out in October. Age slowly. <laughs> yeah, but Rick Reardon, the author of Percy Jackson, has been quite busy with his own um, publishing imprint, which we all really love here yes, and highly do. recommend at the library. He has, he, um, Rick Reardon in, presents. Yeah, Rick Reardon presents. Um, he, instead of him continuing to write mythologies of different cultures, he put his money where his mouth is and paid authors of those cultures to write very popular uh series so it's a really cool way like it i mean percy percy jackson it's kind of like harry potter percy jackson then what so the then what is a great way to be like well look for this rick reardon presents because there's native american culture there's african there's um Egyptian, uh, right? Egypt, yeah, there's all kinds. So it's it's really great. And so to return to Percy Jackson, I'm sure will be a big fanfare for a lot of people. Um, the other big ones I saw are coming out, of course, Diary of a Wimpy Kid. So I'm going to mention books that will not be on our shelves because they will be on the hold list for like three <laughs> months, even though we buy like 10 copies. Um, so the latest Diary of a Wimpy Kid is coming out. And the latest Investigators, which is a very popular graphic novel series. We have been asked for this book so many times because children don't understand nowadays that you have to wait for stuff. <laughs> They're like, um, I saw on Amazon this book cover and I'm like, no. Not yet. <laughs> September 24th with all the other fall books. Um, so we'll have a lot Spy of School excited patrons. Too. Oh yeah, and Spy, Spy School. Spy School Goes North. I've yep. got written down. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. I love Stuart Gibbs. I know. Stuart Gibbs. Our, uh, one of our favorite patrons at the Fairfield Public Library is his agent. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Yes. <laughs> Say more. We've got the connect. Stuart, come on down. <laughs> Waiting for you. It's fantastic. Anything else? Well, as usual, I have to thank you all so much because every time we do one of these children's podcasts, I just have so much fun and I just want to read every book. And um, Even though we talk about grief and then we <laughs> laugh about it? Well, <laughs> you have to laugh about grief. You have to grieve and then you have to laugh because we're still here. <laughs> we're, we're, we're a fun bunch. And on, children's and on, librarians are fun bunch over here. <laughs> on that lighthearted note... So thank you, Tamara, Stephanie, and Emily, and thank you listeners so much for joining us on another episode of Fairfield What Are You Reading podcast, brought to you by Fairfield Public Library in Fairfield, Connecticut. Special thanks to our podcast editor, Max Berryman, for making us sound great. Check out show notes for book titles and authors mentioned today, and please join us next month for more of your favorite library staff talking our favorite new books. Happy reading. Thank you all so much again. Thank you. Thank you.